Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The Irish Times Inside Business Podcast in association with Davy. It's amazing what you discover when you really listen. Hello and welcome to Inside Business, a podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Cliff Taylor, standing in this week for Kieran Hancock. Ireland is entering level five of lockdown, resulting in the closure, for the second time, of many businesses across the country, including all non-essential retail stores. Coming up in today's episode, I'll be speaking with Arnold Dillon, Director of Retail Ireland, about the new restrictions and the impact on the sector in the run-up to Christmas. We'll also be joined by Michael Cronin, the owner of Cronin's Menswear in Cork City Centre, for a view from the shop floor. This evening, Michael will be closing his shutters again until December the 1st. But first, I'm joined by economist and Irish Times columnist Chris Johns to look at the impact on the wider economy of the latest restrictions. Chris Johns, tomorrow Ireland will head into lockdown uh, for the second time uh, with really significant economic consequences. Do you think the government has got it right moving ahead of what may have to happen in other European countries? Or are the restrictions here just too strict in terms of what's justified to control the virus and, and what we know about it? Well, Cliff, like a lot of amateur epidemiologists, I've had to uh, relearn uh, humility during all of this, having expressed several opinions that have proven to be completely wrong. Um, I think we need to be careful um, with how we a, forecast what's going to happen next and be issuing blanket criticisms. I was struck this week by an article in the British Medical Journal by some health experts, epidemiologists and doctors, who started the article by listing their mistakes that they made in forecasting and um, issuing policy prescriptions and reminding us just how uncertain this is and that we need to be very careful about, about claims to certainty. That said, I do think that we can, with some degree of objectivity, make some observations about what, what is happening in Ireland and indeed, indeed, indeed elsewhere. We know from the things that they have said and the things that they have done that we at least now have some clarity about Ireland's strategy. It is being guided by Neffet with a few interruptions from the government along the way, but it does seem that, in a way, I think that we have a new priesthood. Um, I think many of us had hoped that Ireland had given up listening to listening to, to these types. Um, uh, we gave up listening to people like us, um, economists, Cliff, a long time ago, um, but now we have an effort and, and, and their word rules. Um, and what, what the, the strategy is, is, to me at least, quite clear. They're, 
the idea now is that we have rolling lockdowns because they're talking explicitly, apparently, from reports today about the possibility of more lockdowns in the new year after having released us over Christmas. Of course, none of that is certain. Um, and we also know that Test and Trace, A, collapsed over the weekend and B, wasn't rebuilt or, or invested in over the summer lull of the virus. So we haven't done Test and Trace properly in the way in which the World Health Organization and other experts told us to. Um, and our primary strategy is lockdown. And that's something that the World Health Organization has told us not to do. And um, lockdown is, of course, part of uh, all expert recommendations, or most of them anyway. But the prime uh, line of defense should be proper test and trace. And Ireland, like many other countries, not all, hasn't done that properly. So we now have a, role, big, a big role of the dice, which is um, uh, not doing test and trace properly and rolling lockdowns until we get a vaccine or some other kind of antiviral treatment to, to get this virus in check. Personally, I think that's an incredibly high risk strategy. My very non-expert view is that it's the wrong strategy um, because I think the economic and social damage will be considerable and runs huge economic and indeed societal risks. Where do you see the, uh, the economic damage showing up most significantly, Chris? Obviously, the hospitality sector, the retail sectors have taken an awful beating. They'll take another beating now. But the outlook for them from successive closures must be, must be really difficult. Yeah, we, apart from being amateur epidemiologists, many of us have tried to grapple with the mathematics of um, uh, coronavirus curves. And um, they're not straight lines, they are curves. We've learned a little bit about how, how things can be very non-linear. Things can progress in a straight line for a while and then either explode or fall off a cliff if you're, if you're the economy. And I suspect the, 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 the reaction of the economy this time to six weeks of lockdown risks being much worse than the experience first time around because of a different starting point as much as anything else and being on a different part of that nonlinear curve, a much steeper part of that nonlinear curve to be a bit mathematical about it. So I do think that it's going to be different. My guess, and it's only that, as an economic forecaster, I can only issue guesses without any certainty, but I do fear that it's going to be worse. I do think businesses that clung on will give up the ghost. And given that the initial, the initial starting point for many businesses who have survived so far is so much worse than it was back in February, March, when they were, relatively speaking, at least in a much healthier position, I think that we might well be um, horrified by the extent to which the economic damage could be much worse this time around. So you're talking about businesses who perhaps came into the crisis in a reasonable financial position, weathered the first lockdown, have got some of the ground back, but not all of it, and now have less by, less by way of resources um, going forward and, 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 and may, may, may just run up the white flag. Is that, is that what you mean? Absolutely. Um, one of the things that we learned through the first lockdown is how sectoral the impact was. Um, a lot of the economic forecasts turned out to be wrong because so many sectors, particularly as we know, chemicals, high-tech, pharmaceuticals, um, those sorts of sectors didn't just carry on uh, blithely. They actually it increased things like their exports and their, and their output generally. So we're talking about very specific sectors. You mentioned um, hospitality, um, you know, and that has a broad definition if you include tourism as well. The aviation sector, of course, um, is, is, in, is in serious trouble. And I suspect that um, I've, 
I would make no forecasts about any Irish domiciled uh, airlines, but um, I would expect airlines over the winter now, if this continues more generally around Europe, will see one or two high-profile bankruptcies or, or reorganizations and or takeovers. Um, I think that sector, you know, from, from the actual operation of airlines, passengers and all, and all the rest of it, through to perhaps even the leasing sector, which there is an, an Irish dimension, could experience difficulties. As we run through the next six weeks, of course, we're also going to get Brexit, or at least the deal, Brexit's already happened, the deal or no deal situation will, one presumes, be resolved one way or the, over, or the other over the next six weeks. And the point I'd make there is that we obsess about deal or no deal, but even if there is a deal, I think there probably will be, it will be so, so thin and so skinny, it'll look and feel and walk and smell like a hard Brexit with all of the implications that that always had for the Irish economy. So I, I think the economy, at, at particularly at a sectoral level, is, is in for a very hard time over the next while. One of the things, as you've said, is that the damage has been really severe in certain sectors and hardly at all in, 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 in many other sectors. Is there a risk now of a kind of a wider hit to consumer and business confidence that the tentacles of recession, if you like, spread out more widely across the economy, perhaps start to hit the financial sector, consumers draw in their horns, investment slows, or, or, or do you think that the, the sectors that have kept going quietly behind the scenes can still help to, to keep the economy in some kind of shape? I think it would be a bit of both. I think that there, there will be some spillovers that we didn't see the first time around from the narrow sector hit into the broader economy. There will be some, particularly, I think, in the SME space uh, that um, are not in hospitality that could see, as you say, the consumer more generally pulling in their horns. I mean, the consumer's really retrenched um, massively, as, as we know. We've only got to look at things like consumer savings, consumer bank deposits, to see just how much money has been piled up and not spent and at a macro level, we know what the government is trying to do, which is trying to replace that spending as, as best it can via borrowing. Um, I think we're going to see that again. Um, but as you hint, I think that there is every chance that with the increase in unemployment, that many people will now start to think, well, maybe this unemployment thing is, is, is more permanent than I thought it was going to be. I was laid off before. I was furloughed before, whatever language you wish to use. There's a chance now that I'm not going to get my job back. There's a chance that um, the unemployment that I'm in you know, is is a more permanent thing than I was in before, and so that becomes a more old-fashioned recession, if you like. This recession has had lots of new features that we've never seen before, more generalised recessions that perhaps you and I remember from the past that ripple out from sector to sector from where it originally starts. There's a real risk that that happens now, and you mentioned the financial sector, which is really interesting and really important because so far this has not been a financial crisis because the banks and the finance industry in particular has managed to, to survive. But if their bad debts start going through the roof again, either from the corporate or personal or both sectors, then the rumblings of a financial crisis might be heard. We're not there yet. We're not there now. And so I don't want to be alarmist. But if this were to become a problem for the banks via their balance sheets, then we are in serious trouble. I think on balance that's not probable, but it's certainly a risk that is growing and it's a function of the time this is taking and the damage that is being done to those specific sectors rippling out to other sectors. The more this goes on, the longer it lasts, 
the higher the risk to the financial sector becomes. And if some banks, either in Ireland or elsewhere, do start to fret about their balance sheets, then we have echoes of what we went through a decade ago. Not a nice thought. Maybe to try and finish on a slightly more upbeat note, <laughs> is there a, a counter scenario, a, a different scenario where a vaccine appears on, on the horizon sometime through next year and we can start to see the economy taking off uh, as sectors reopen permanently again? Absolutely. And I think that's the gamble that the authorities here in Ireland and elsewhere are taking, that uh, the the, um, vaccine arrives and or antivirals, which we've seen one or two of already, start to come through that turn this into into a flu or a bad cold, um, and then things start to take off. it's perfectly possible. There are mutterings that I see that something is imminent with respect to one of the over one or more of the over two hundred vaccines that are in development around the world. Um, I do know that, for example, in in, in Switzerland, um, I'm told uh, by friends there that the authorities are on the verge of, or at least thinking about, approving some vaccines in the way that the Chinese and the Russians, more controversially, have done so. Um, and uh, some leading experts have said that we should expect something by the end of the year. To end on that optimistic note, and going back to the point I made about consumer savings and the amount of cash that is just sitting in bank accounts for both the personal and the corporate sector, I think that if if by some miracle we were to declare this uh, crisis to be over tomorrow, unlikely as that sounds, there would be one heck of a spending party and we would be talking about a very, very big cyclical recovery. That's when I think the V-shaped recovery comes in. And the data point that I show to you that illustrates that is the Chinese economy. Because if there's one economy that's done a V-shape, look at, it, look at Chinese economic data, look at their stock market, it's a V. And that's what I think lies in store for us, provided it happens sooner rather than later. If we get through to the spring and summer and we're still talking in these somewhat melancholic terms, then then I, I, I really will be worried. But if before then something has happened such that we can all in our own heads say, yeah, if this isn't actually over, I can see the beginning of the end. We, you know, I think we go to the other side of the coin and, what, and that cash mountain sitting in banks start to get spent and we could actually be looking at something quite interesting by way of a V-shaped recovery. Uh, let's hope that's the case. And uh, Chris Johns, thank you very much for joining us. Stay with us. After a quick break, I'll be joined by Arnold Dillon, Director of Retail Ireland, and Michael Cronin, owner of Cronin's Menswear in Cork City. They'll be speaking to me about the shutting of all non-essential retail for the next six weeks and the nervousness now in the sector about what lies ahead. At Davy, we know your well-being should be financial as well as personal. And now when it's a little more challenging, if you're in a position where you have a pension, it's never been more important to get active. So talk to one of our trusted advisors now, and we can help you find a solution for your pension needs. A solution that could help you feel better about your financial future. Let's start the conversation. Call us today or search Davy. Davy, it's not just business, it's personal. Janie Davy, trading as Davy, is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. We take our responsibilities personally. Arnold Dillon of Retail Ireland, what's your members' reaction to the second lockdown, which is now going to come into place from midnight tonight? 
Look, I guess this, the sense right across the sector is one of just intense disappointment. The new lockdown is going to obviously shut down very significant swathes of the sector, potentially putting up to about 100,000 retail workers into unemployment over the next six weeks. It comes after, you know, I suppose a reasonably positive couple of months and a lot of, a lot of retailers were getting something of a lift and trying to get over some of the financial difficulties that they had obviously incurred earlier on the year through the, the longer lockdown. And I guess it's just a real body blow for those businesses that had been put so much effort in to trying to make their shops safe, spaces for their staff and their customers to be back in this place again. And have they built up enough leeway, enough reserves uh, from being open for a few months to survive another lockdown? Or is there a risk now that some won't come through this period? Look, I think there are different stories in different parts of the retail sector. And I suppose it's, a, you know, it's split now into what is essential retail and non-essential retail. And obviously with those that are on that essential retail list will be able to continue to trade during the next six weeks. I think there are real difficulties in many of those retailers classified as non-retail. Um, they took a massive blow during the first lockdown and um, I think there is a real concern that uh, some of those shutting up shop and now uh, and losing out on that key trading period in the run up to Christmas may not uh, reopen. We've seen already some 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 casualties, some retail casualties on the high street. Uh, and sadly, I think there's likely to be more. And what parts of the retail industry, what types of shops are you seeing most stress in? Is it bigger shops, smaller shops? Shops and city centres, where are the pressure points as you see them? Like, I think it's a mix across different sizes and probably for different reasons. We've seen some very big retailers in trouble. And also, I think, you know, smaller retailers, you know, that are less, you know, less well positioned to sort of activate online platforms and be able to retain their trade using those different platforms uh, are really in trouble. And I think obviously the high street is a, in a particularly bad place. Like Dublin City in particular is an example of um, a place where the, obviously the footfall has dropped dramatically and uh, there aren't the office workers there, there aren't the tourists there, and we just won't see the, the throngs of people that we will normally expect potentially in the run-up to Christmas uh, there over the next um, month or two. Um, so look, I think... Look, the decision has been made. I think we need to, you know, need to make that work and we need to be in a position where we can reopen retail in advance uh, of Christmas. And I think that needs to be the um, the priority at this point. And what about the supports, Arnold, that the government have put in place, as well as the wage subsidy uh, and the increased PUP? We have this new scheme now, uh, which gives uh, cash refunds effectively uh, in times of closure. How important are they going to be to your members and to the retail sector now? Are, are they going to be enough to keep a lot of companies alive? Look, the number of supports that have been put in place during the initial lockdown and that are also now in place um, to support businesses uh, over the next six weeks are uh, will be the difference between an awful lot of businesses staying in business and not. So look, they are making an enormous and significant contribution towards um, keeping a lot of those businesses afloat. Um, there are, you know, uh, the scale of the budget, I think, that was announced. Uh, I don't think anyone could dispute that that very significant resources are being put in to try and manage this crisis. And I think in the long term, I'd li we'd love to think that that will pay off in dividends in terms of positioning the economy uh, into the future. But there are obviously crunch immediate issues facing businesses. And 
you know, for example, I've been talking to a lot of companies this morning trying to see if they're eligible to keep their their staff on their books through the employment wage subsidy scheme and trying to avoid putting them um, out of work and into the pandemic unemployment system. I think, look, into the future, we have seen rate relief. I think that's going to have to continue for affected businesses into next year until uh, we see an easing of this crisis. And I think other issues, um, you know, while we can put companies into sort of a freeze for a period of time, there are other liabilities uh, that build up and other challenges you know, we've seen significant number of rent disputes heading towards the courts. And obviously those disputes uh, are going to be exasperated by, you know, another lockdown period. So we would love to see the government doing something in terms of facilitating an arbitration process or at least providing eviction pr- protection for uh, tenants to provide that space uh, to work through some of those um, some of those issues. And I think, you know, there's also... You know, so you know, work that consumers can do to try and support some of those businesses that are shuttered, and make sure that um, in our, you know, in our purchasing patterns over the coming weeks, that we look at supporting those businesses that are, uh, you know, suffering as a result of these restrictions. To get a view uh, on the ground, so to speak, we're also joined by Michael Cronin, who owns and runs a, a menswear shop in Central Cork. Michael, first of all, tell us a bit about your business. Well, Cliff, uh, we're here in Oliver Plunkett Street for over 70 years and we run a menswear store specialising in probably hats and caps over the last number of years now. But we also would, would sell other, you know, shirts, trousers, knitwear, etc. And the closure this evening will have a, a big effect on the whole city centre and on my particular business. Reopening as it is on December the 1st, is, is is sort of missing the we're missing the opportunities of Christmas trade because most people will plan to buy their Christmas purchases in in November would make the actual purchase in December so we'll miss that this year. How long were you closed for, uh, Michael, in the first the first period of the lockdown? We were closed from just before uh, Patrick's Day in March until the uh, start of June, and it was. Very strange. Uh, I remember one of my lads working with me here, Matthew, turned to me and he said, you know, when this lockdown is over, uh, they're going to go back partying again and drinking again. And he said to me when he was going to the shop in March and, you know, this seems to be the pattern that has happened. We're still carrying on. In, when the lockdown will end, we'll go, we'll go partying again. Um, this is, uh, you know, and we'll be in, will we be in lockdown again in, in in January when we open in December? Is that for Christmas? Do people go out then parting and come back then with the lockdown again in January? You know, this stop go stop go system will have to stop. We're closed for f- six weeks now. We were cl- flooded yesterday, and we're uh, effectively this evening we're closed for until December the first, and it's it's not. It's not fair. How was business in the period when you were open after the first lockdown, Michael? Did you did you feel you made up any lost ground? We made up quite a bit of lost ground in the first few weeks. There was, uh, you know, having been closed for that three month period, there were uh, a lot of people that needed new clothes, and they they came into us in the first few weeks. Then it tapered for about two or three weeks in July, and then it picked up again. Then and we found it very busy until about middle of September, and then it, it has got slow in the last couple of weeks. I, I think the the fear of 
lockdown has been looming there for the last few weeks with people and it's happening now. Yeah, interesting you should say that because some of the uh, kind of wider economic indicators and some of the economists are saying that they've seen a, a bit of a slowdown since mid-September in the in, in the economy as well. So so do you have staff now that, you, that, that, that are going to get laid off for a second time effectively? Yeah, well... We run a fairly tight operation. There's one other lad with me, Matthew. He's with me for over 40 years. And between the two of us, really, we, we, we run the operation. He'd be unfortunately off now until the start of December. How do you feel now looking forward to reopening for a second time in December? It, it must be difficult in terms of managing your cash flow, in terms of managing your, the stocks of products in your shop, yeah. just in terms of planning for the future. Yeah, well, I even put on orders there in the last uh, week and uh, this morning I put another order on with a company because, you know, I realised that even though I will be closed until the 1st of December, when you go to buy product at that stage, it shouldn't be normally be available that close to Christmas. So you, you kind of have to buy the ammunition to fight the war at this stage. And you're wondering, will there be a war to fight? But, you know, there will be because come the start of December, people will will come back into town um, and, you know, you just have to have the product for them at that stage. Have you thought, Michael, of uh, going down the online route in terms of selling product or is, is that not your not your thing? I have, but I, I, I've given it a lot of thought. But to be honest, you know, we'd be an old, I suppose I would describe myself as an old-fashioned retailer where somebody comes in um maybe tries on a, a hat or a cap and... Um, if the, you know, I tell them, look, that's the right, that looks nice on you or that doesn't look, maybe wouldn't say the word, it doesn't look nice, but maybe look, try another model instead. Um, and we'd be very much a hands-on retailer uh, giving that service of uh, and helping people to make a decision. Um, and, uh, you know, this has worked for us over the years. With online, I'm very fearful that a lot of times people buying product online, you know, if they send it back to a company uh, and it's re- it's sent out again and again, it, it, the the, uh, the product isn't really may not be as new as it should be. Um, I, I leave it at that. Yeah, that's fair enough, and I can see how the personal touch in terms of uh, someone buying a hat or or a cap is the, is uh, is crucial. All right. No, it it uh, it's it's been the the way we've operated for over seventy years. Personal touch, online has its merits in certain areas, but uh, you know a lot of people when they the the sizes have varied over the last couple of years. Things things have kind of got gone very slim in say some shirts, and you know if you're looking at a customer, you'd say, well, look maybe the bigger shirt might do you might suit you better and I've also noticed a small bit over during the last COVID lockdown that uh, people tend to be coming in for slightly bigger sizes this autumn rather than smaller Uh, the COVID stone the COVID curve is the term I heard and I thought it was a very good description for it it's a nice it's probably a nicer term than the COVID stone all right Arnold, a lot of retailers like Michael, not only having to cope with the shutdown, the lockdown that's coming now for the next six weeks, but also fearing that they may have to shut again in January and perhaps successively through 2021. That's a very difficult outlook for the sector, isn't it? Um, Look, it's a very bleak vista uh, that you paint there. And look, I don't think this 
like approach would be sustainable long into the future. And I think that that's why, um, you know, we would have to look at different approaches if that was the case and trying to make sure that, um, that lives, uh, but also livelihoods and, um, incomes are protected through that. And, you know, uh, if if that's the sort of um, prospect that we're looking at, I think we need to be then revisiting uh, the sort of businesses and activities that can continue through this. Um, like it is a difficult balancing act that obviously government does have. There are no easy choices, but uh, keeping the economy moving, keeping people in work clearly needs to be a priority and inform those decisions. And clearly a lot of your members will have put very significant investments, particularly, I guess, well, the bigger retailers, but the smaller ones as well, into into measures to, uh, you know, safety measures, screens, perspex screens, masks, etc. for staff, uh, queuing signage and all that. Um, is there a case that, that you're making to government that this means that retail is effectively safe and, and should be allowed to stay open? Yeah, and look, it has been incredible to witness how responsive and dynamic the retail sector has been in terms of uh, almost overnight, almost in some cases, putting in place those sort of uh, safety measures for staff and for customers. And of course, you know, very significant swathes of retail um, traded safely through the first phase of lockdown. And the sort of health and safety measures have been uh, tightened up since then in terms of the use of uh, face coverings in stores uh, and hand hygiene methods. So I suppose that was a, one of the real frustrations for a lot of um, of our retail members um, is that so much effort was was put into making these settings safe. And you know the 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 information there from from um, the health authorities uh, is very clear that that retail is not um, a, a location where there is any significant COVID transmissions. I think the number of clusters linked to retail um, about a week ago when I last looked at the figures was around 12, uh, whereas obviously the clusters related to to home gatherings uh, was in you know somewhere in the order of up towards two and a half uh, thousand or up towards 3,000. So look... I don't think anyone thinks that retail is an unsafe setting. I think the, the tack the government has taken is to try and push people essentially back into their homes for the next six weeks. Um, and needless to say, that is having an incredibly damaging impact on the many businesses and livelihoods that are re- relying on those six weeks um, to be able to make it through the year and have a sustainable business into next year. Are most of your members saying that they will try and hold on to staff via use of the wage subsidies and the other supports? Or are most of them laying off people and sending them on the PUP, or is it is it is it a mixture of the of the two? They're really tough places that that sort of businesses are trying to manage through at the moment. There is an, in, an enormous desire to try and keep people on their books. Um, you know, people that have worked with them often for decades, uh, and the prospect of putting um, those people a, a, out of work is is really not something that any business. Uh, wants to count and so we do obviously have different schemes that are in place there is the employment wage subsidy scheme which was designed to subsidize people in work um, and take over from the previous uh, wage scheme that was there during the initial lockdown and what companies are trying to do is to use that scheme to keep I suppose to channel that support through the business uh, to their workers and there are some technical issues around thresholds um, that we're trying to work through 
And But as I say, companies desperately trying to make sure that they keep that relationship. And I think that's really important from a wider economic view, because we want to keep people close to jobs. And, you know, all the data suggests that if we can do that, uh, it's much quicker to get, uh, you know, the rebounds and the reopening that we want uh, at the end of this. Michael Cronin, you've, you've made it through the first lockdown and no doubt, despite the floods and various other difficulties facing retailers in Cork, you'll make it through the second one as well. But are you worried now that there'll be more shutdowns in uh, in 2021, that this is what we're looking at um, for, for, I don't know, the next six or nine months? Yeah, I, I'm very worried that, you know, it's going to be uh, open, closed, open, closed uh, s- scenario. Like, I have a, a screens in, 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 in the shop. I have natural ventilation blowing through the shop every day. I open the back door, the, the ground floor of the shop, and there's a good gust of wind blowing through. So I'm literally trying to trade almost uh, with the safety of the public at mind, in, in mind. But I'm almost trading outside in the, in the open almost with the, the air going through the shop. And, you know, it, it's frustrating that we're facing another lockdown but look, this can't go on forever. And a vaccine may not be found very quickly. This could be on off, on off for the next number of years. Who's to know? I, I do remember my father talking years ago about a polio epidemic in Cork in the, in the mid 50s. And he said it took a, a couple of years for people to come back into into the city centre, in, into shopping in the city centre. And, you know, I, I heard Arnold on the while ago about um, Dublin is lacking with no office workers and no tourists. Uh, but Cork is a bit different to that. We have a, a very big uh, rural population who who come into the city centre, uh, some on a weekly, some on a monthly, some on a daily basis. And um, so we're probably not as dependent as Dublin would be on, on, on tourism. Um, but, but uh, you know, it will be worrying that next year could be uh, closed in January, February, open again in March, April, maybe close again in May, June. Who knows? Um, you know, but uh, there has to be a commercial reality looked at as well. In this, uh, uh, you know, like businesses can't survive forever uh, with with this lockdown uh, system. Yes, indeed. On that note, Arnold Dillon and Michael Cronin, we, we wish you well, Michael, with the with with the shop in in Cork, and uh, let's hope that. I guess by early next year that things are, are starting to look up for retailers and that the people can start to drift back into Cork City Centre and indeed uh, Dublin City Centre as well. Michael Cronin and Arnold Dillon, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks. Thank you very much. Okay, that's all for this week. My thanks to our guests, Arnold Dillon, Michael Cronin and Chris Johns. Suzanne Brennan produced the show with JJ Vernon on sound. Until next time, goodbye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 